0: Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and today I sit down with Eva Pauling, co-founder and CEO of Richer Poorer, the company that moved from making socks to making loungewear. Because the brand kicked off a new direction under a new design team at the start of this year, I wanted to check in with Eva about how it's caught on in this challenging retail environment. Side note, because the product fits into the emerging inactive wear category, I had a good feeling. Eva, I'm excited to jump in. Thank you
1: for having me. Excited to be here virtually. Yes. Tell me where you're calling from. I'm calling you from Palm Springs and um, I am in the back shed of a house. (laughs) (laughs) I have um, both my kids here and my niece and nephew are here. So um, it's kind of the only place that I could get away from everybody.
0: Yes. So what's the day today? Are you getting up? Are you zooming? Are you on the computer all morning or how's it going?
1: So I actually took this entire week off of work pretty much. Um, I have a two-year-old and we're at a house with a pool with no fence. So I decided my best uh, plan of attack for this was going to be like no work distraction whatsoever and just focus on the kids for the week.
0: Oh my gosh, and now I have you on the podcast. You're going to be talking business for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for it. I've been doing a lot of two-year-old play, so I'm ready to get back my head back in the game. Well, perfect. Well, I mentioned at the intro that you started as a sock brand. How long ago were you only doing socks? You, and you were catering to a male customer as well, is that correct? We were. Yeah, so we started the business um
1: so it's actually been exactly 10 years since we had the idea. Um so it was May of 2010. Um, We were in market uh, at the very end of November 2010, so we moved pretty quickly from idea to um, getting products sampled, manufactured, and in stores. Um, Our goal was to get it in holiday that year. But um, I came from the women's industry, um, the women's side of the business, and really had no desire to play in the women's space anymore. I really loved the idea that the men's space was small um, that it was, you know, from every angle from retailers to PR publications, all of it was just a smaller kind of pool to play in, which I very much welcomed and I had no intention of stepping back into the women's <laughs> space. And here we are now 10 years later, essentially as a, um, you know, very much majority women's, you know, apparel inactive brand.
0: I mean, talk about an evolution. You hear about like category launch, you hear it like, yes, yeah, slow expansion, but yeah, yeah, it's a whole new brand.
1: Yeah, it's a whole new world. I mean, we, um, you know, we got really pulled into the women's space. Um, had the bralette, which was a huge, huge hit that kind of became our first like product that really caught fire um, and kind of really put some wind in our sails. Um, and so once that happened, we got pulled into the women's space and started kind of expanding into other categories. And um, the consumer was really responding well to what we were doing. So you know, we really had to take a pause a few years ago to kind of rebuild the brand and you know bring in a new, whole new design team and um r- update our logos and art direction and everything because we were really just evolving the men's sock brand still um and yes. realizing that you know something that's a, br- a brand that's really speaking to women and you know focused um on women's apparel looks a lot different than a men's sock brand so um we kind of had to do a hard reset uh which we finally got to launch this January which has been really exciting
0: Yes. When you launched at, with socks, was it the traditional, I mean, 10 years ago, there was no like DTC I know, model, but <laughs> was it fundraising? Was it like, what was the process going in?
1: No. So my background was in the um, women's side of the business. As I said, uh, my sister has a jewelry brand. Um, so I had worked with her and my brother-in-law um, on that for about four years. So it was a traditional wholesale model, you know, trade shows, line sheets, you know, selling in pre-booking the whole deal. Um, So that's how we launched the business. You know, our point of view was that there was a need, you know, this is post-recession. So there was a need for um, a sock brand because the only thing that was really in the market at the time um, was these expensive kind of generational sock brands of like the Pantherellas and Corgi and Paul Smith. And they were all really, really expensive. You know, these were $30 a pair Um, Socks and then the rest of the market really looked like your J. Crews and gaps, um, and then kind of your bundle packs at Costco or Target or whatever you bought them. So we really saw the need for something that was an accessible price point that was, you know, really, really great quality, really cool designs. You know, coming off of the recession in 2008, buying habits had changed we thought that there was an opportunity to deliver something that people still felt really good about purchasing. um, And that they were still really excited to buy, even though they didn't have the same buying power as they did before. So we launched the sock. Um, We had one body that we ran for literally four years. Um, You know, it was a bunch of different patterns and colors and all that. But for the most part, I mean, our business was really just one sock
0: for four years. Oh, my gosh. Well, you made the most yeah. of it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think when we first met, you were telling me all about the brand. and it, I, I don't know what the statement was, but it was something to the effect of you gotta sell a lot of socks. <laughs> like- oh my goodness.
1: you know yeah, everyone told us this. Um, you know, I think that these are this is one of the places that you know, being a stubborn new entrepreneur um, probably worked to our benefit because we just ignored it. But, you know, everyone told us that when you're getting into a wholesale business and you're selling a $5 price point item, you have to sell a ton of socks to make that pencil and to really grow a business. And it was challenging. I mean, we were in, you know, two, three, 400 retailers and still running a business that was, you know, a few million dollars a year because our price point was so low.
0: Yes. And so your business was still, it was booming. It was the product. It was, you became known for this product. Is that, um, about that four year mark, is that when, uh, you, you were acquired? So about a year after that.
1: So we, um, we ended up being acquired in 2015 at the very end of the year. Um, we had just started, we literally just had launched, um, men's t-shirts at the time, like as we got, um, acquired. So yeah, that was, you know, At the time, we had decided that in order to continue to sell socks and to grow the sock business, that we needed to really kind of move out of just the men's contemporary market, which is where we were, and um, really kind of step into other channels like action sports. Um, And in order to do so, action sports is a very heavy marketing game, which means you need a ton of money to do it. And we did not have that. um we had started the business on our own um, a few years in we brought into angel investors um had you know done a small small round of half a million dollars, and that was it. So we started having conversations about raising money and then um got a really great offer for the business at the time. so we took it and sold it.
0: <laughs> yes, so you're just you're done, we did good. <laughs> I was mean, like,
1: kind of yeah it was it was very much with the intent to like we had no intention of leaving so we we sold the company with the intent to stay on and to grow the business so you know the company that we had sold it to was shoes.com at the time that was based out of Canada they had 10 million customers they were you know doing a massive massive shoe business it made sense to go hey let's pair up this sock brand with a shoe business let's start selling all of our socks to their 10 million customers we um, really wanted to grow our e-com side of the business, which we hadn't focused on yet. Um, and, you know, felt like they were the right partners to do that with because, you know, this group that had uh, started shoes.com had a previous business in the eyewear space that was all D to C. So they were kind of like in the first early stages of selling online and they were good at it. So we yeah. sold the company to them kind of really wanting to Learn the ecom side of the business and scale the business with a partner that really knew what they were doing,
0: yes. So what did it meet your expectations? Was it like scale, <laughs> no. growth, growth, growth? no, and not even any freedom, <laughs> like going from doing it all your own to being like yeah, acquired. did you have any like freedom, creative freedom, freedom? What were the boundaries there? So it was interesting because the whole
1: I mean, the whole thing just imploded, and that could be an hour conversation on its own. But um <laughs>
0: essentially,
1: they were kind of they had a business model that was not yet stable and working properly um, and it was a big one you know they had bought into a few different companies and were running a you know 2 to 300 million dollar e-com business that was in shoes and it was complicated so they were really focused on their side of the business they didn't step into anything we were doing um so for better or worse, it, nothing changed essentially. Um, yeah. So we kind of kept um, our operations where they were. We kept chugging forward. Um, you know, probably six, seven months into it, we started really feeling that the the footing that they were on was pretty unstable, and that there was a chance that the business might not survive theirs. Um, yeah. So we had approached their uh, two of their board members that we had become built a relationship with, and asked them to buy us out. Um, so they did. And we ended up, um, we we closed on that. It, it, it was literally almost 12 months exactly to the day that we sold it. And then a oh month later, I know a month later, then shoes.com ended up filing for bankruptcy. So we got out in the nick of time. Um, yes. So we ran it with uh, the two board members as kind of the owners of the company um, for about a year and a half. And then Tim and I, my business partner, ended up buying the business back um, outright uh, halfway through 2018. So it's been just about two years since we've owned it again. So we were like on our ninth life of some kind.
0: (laughs) I I Honestly, I didn't know it was that recent. So when you bought it back, was the idea? We're going to take it back and we're going to do something different and amazing. We're going to transform this puppy.
1: Yes, um, entirely. You know, when we, we sold a men's sock business and we bought back a... Uh, starting to turn into a woman's apparel business. So, you know, over the course of that two-year stretch from when we sold it to when we ended up, you know, owning it outright again, everything had changed for Rich or Poor. We went from being a men's sock business to the women's e-com business being the thing that was growing the fastest and, um, you know, really trying to put a focus on women's wholesalers and stepping into that world. So that was when, when we purchased it back, when we really decided like, okay, we need to bring in a new design team. We need to rebrand. We need to kind of update everything. And, you know, I would love to say that we were capable of doing that quickly, but it is a long, long process to do that. So while we started at the end or mid 2018, um, it took us until January of this year to really get that completely launched and out the door.
0: Yes. So at this point, like when you brought it back, you went all in on wholesale. Where are is that correct? And where are you now in terms of the DTC wholesale split? So
1: it's it's interesting because I, I would have given you a completely different answer three months ago. Um yeah. so you know, in January we were um, the, the plan for this year was to be a forty sixty split of ecom to wholesale, so wholesale still being the majority of the business, um, with the goal of next year being able to get it to fifty fifty, and then you know starting ecom starting to overtake wholesale. So. And we were on that path. We were, you know, hitting plan, our launch of the new season and the new collection and new branding, all of it was incredibly successful. We were really happy with it, but then COVID hit and we had this crazy inflection point, um, online. So, you know, our business like overnight, you know, the numbers that we did in February doubled in March and doubled again in April. So we had this crazy, crazy hit. Um, and suddenly like, the world knew about rich or poor and specifically that female demographic of customer that we were looking after was searching for prob- product of our kind. Um, we very much had like rebranded under this belief that like what we are here to do is to deliver confidence and comfort that your comfortable clothes don't have to be these items that are just stay at home because they're so comfortable and they look sloppy and you don't feel comfortable going outside in them. Um, you know, while I think a lot of the market has definitely focused on, adding technical elements into your dress clothes and all of these things. Our approach has been to take the stuff that you love the most, your tees, your sweats, your undergarments um, and refit them and put them in materials that you can look in the mirror and still feel totally put together and totally good about yourself and go out and have your day, whether that's walking your dog or running errands on the weekend or throwing a sweatshirt on over your collar shirt and jeans and wearing that to work. So that was, um, I think we just, as I said before we even started this, that we were at, um, the very right place at the very wrong time for the world. Um, considering, you know, what everyone has gone through the last few months with COVID hitting. Yeah. But with, with that this year now, our numbers are showing that we'll end up being a 70 to 75%, um, e-com business because of course, while e-com boomed, wholesale completely shuttered, right? Everyone yes. had to close their doors for the last three months. So that business came to a screeching halt.
0: Yeah. Really quick on the wholesale front. I mean, are you, just the folks that I've been talking to, there's almost like a pissed off uh, vibe about like, we don't know if we want to return. They just cut us off. And oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, it's been, it's been really tricky. Like I think that we, we work with a few hundred retailers domestically. So we kind of have a mixed bag of experiences. We've had some incredible partners that have truly partnered through this of, you know, Hey, not canceling orders. Like we can't cancel the orders with the manufacturer because either that's already here, or it's on a boat on its way over here when this hit. Um, and some of them, plenty of them have been completely gracious with us and really work together to figure out like, okay, let's just move these POs out. Let's figure out how to, um, you know, spread our terms out a little bit longer those things. And then you have the other retailers, which unfortunately were the largest of them that kind of gave us all the middle finger. And we're (sighs) essentially just like, we're canceling this. There's nothing we can do. Sorry.
0: It's wild, and that yeah. (laughs) And you're like you're in one of those categories that it's not the most seasonal product. Like you would think there would be more more exactly. Yeah, and I don't.
1: And I I think that from you know being on this side of it as a brand, um, it's stung and it sucks and it's been really difficult for all of us. I have a ton of friends that own brands and everyone has been stuck in the same position now with inventory and figuring out what to do and how do we deal with our manufacturing partners? How do we make sure that they're still getting paid? How are we getting paid? How do we survive this when, you know, we're the ones left holding the bag? Right. Um, but at the, uh, on the flip side, it's survival right now and everyone's just trying to survive, even the large retailers, especially the large yeah. retailers. So it's trying to like understand that and be a little bit empathetic, but at the same time, you know, how we structure our business moving forward as it relates to wholesale it has, is completely changing.
0: Yes, I'm sure. Yeah. When you saw a business booming and you said your your shopper, this is or this is what folks want now, was Google search kind of the big the big driver to the site or how are they finding you?
1: So this is, you know, I think that we could spend hours talking about like attribution models of how is it that people find us, which is very difficult. It's still, you know, 70 to 80 percent of our traffic is coming from organic search or direct. But whether that means that they had seen Instagram ads that we had or Facebook ads or read about us in some of the publications that we had gotten featured in like we just don't know right yeah um, but I think that we just got really lucky in the sense that PR was all focused on okay now who actually makes the most comfortable clothes because every single digital publication is now just writing about working from home clothes and what people want to wear yeah um, we got really lucky that a lot of influencers um, both just like the normal day-to-day people that, love to talk about the products they purchased to, you know, influencers with millions of followers happen to just be buying our product and talking about it because they loved it so much. Yeah. Um, so it's just I think that it was just a culmination of all of those things happening at the exact same time that suddenly it looked like we were everywhere and we actually did nothing to change any yes. of it. Um, which is great. I mean, running a business for 10 years and seeing this crazy hockey stick point is a really wild experience, especially through you know, the uh, once in a hundred year pandemic that shuts down the economy.
0: <laughs> yes. So. Well, now everyone, uh, brands that maybe have never had comfortable clothes ever, like everyone's oh, yeah. coming into your space. Like, is there Completely. concern or is it, I don't know, I yeah. really start obviously, but go ahead.
1: Um, I think that, you know, I, I think when our brand ethos has always been around comfort, like even when we started with socks our yeah. like very much at the core was how do we create the most comfortable socks that are incredibly soft. And so I think it's really, really hard to just suddenly manufacture and kind of reverse engineer into like, okay, we're a designer brand, but now we're going to do comfortable clothes and sell them. And it's going to be a believable thing that people want. Um, certainly the categories that we are in are going to get more and more crowded, but I think that we have done a really good job of kind of cementing our place as, you know, one of the leaders in this category at this point that we just have to kind of stay on our toes and continue to innovate and bring the customers great product and deliver the best quality product at the price point that we're at. And I think that we'll continue to win.
0: We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. So is most a lot of organic growth or organic, I guess finding you organically is happening. Are you putting a lot of money right now into I I would think into Instagram and Facebook and We yeah. certainly are. Yeah.
1: I mean, that was we leaned, we leaned in really, really heavy. Um just because this is again like your digital ad spend works better when you have a ton of organic traffic coming at you, right? Yeah. So We, the second that this kind of started, um, we started obviously increasing our budgets uh, from digital ad spend perspective on a daily basis because we were seeing a much higher return on ad spend. And, you know, I think from that perspective, it was twofold because we had, you know, suddenly way more eyeballs on us and way more traffic coming to us, which helps. And then on the other side, you know, a lot of people that we were competing against from, you know, an ads perspective digitally had completely just turned their ad spend off when this happened. So, you know, we really were able to kind of fast forward Quite a bit of growth, just based on those things, and we don't anticipate that that's going to hold. Obviously, um, but while we can, you know, certainly capitalize on that and get new con- new customers, you know, into our funnel and to be able to be introduced to the brand. Um, and once they get the product, they're usually really, really happy with it and super impressed. So that's kind of in our model for now. It's definitely being looked at weekly, uh, rather than, Hey, here's our plan for the season or for a few months. And we've become way more nimble because of what's happening, okay. but it's been, um, it's been pretty steady.
0: Yeah. Have you, uh, tried to tick anything? <laughs> no, God, no. Um, <laughs> no, that's not,
1: yeah, no, we, we stick to what we know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, I feel like it might, Fly and be popular. <laughs> I don't it probably would.
1: It probably would. Yeah, but no, we're um, we're pretty cautious, and we
0: try not to be too
1: reactionary. Yeah, you know, I think like we had um, one of our breakout items in the beginning of the season pre-COVID was this cloud wash um, stuff that we did. So it was this incredible wash that it's it was a play on tie-dye, much more natural. We did it on our sweats and tees, and it sold out immediately. And you know the initial reaction, of course, is okay. Let's order more into this, and let's try and restock this as quickly as possible. But our uh, creative director, who came in about two years ago, she's been such an incredible addition to the team, and has really like treated this so carefully, and how we release product, and what it is that we stand for, and you know, we didn't replenish it because we want to do a dye technique every season and we want that to become special and something that people really, you know, care about and have like an emotional connection to because they know that they can only buy it for that certain amount of time and then it's gone. And, and not to have, not to like play into the scarcity model of streetwear, but there is something to be said for, you know, having limited availability of things.
0: Yes. Well, I was going to ask kind of when this all went down mid-March, whenever it was for your your company, uh, everybody started working from home to go from like having this team that worked together and then go to your own, (laughs) go to your own quarters and then business ramps up. Like was that transition or that process? I mean, how challenging was that? It was so
1: hard. Um, It was so hard on everybody because we went from like, to your point, this team that was working together, we kind of had like a slow and steady pace of growth and we knew exactly what was in front of us to suddenly everything being upended, the business completely flipping, you know, we're, we're having to deal with this growth. Everyone is now isolated at home. And at the same time, I tried to be really, really decisive with our team and to make decisions quickly. So when this happened, ever, like we, moved people into new roles, put them into digital facing, you know, um, digital facing essentially tasks that they weren't doing before from the wholesale team or from the marketing team, or even from the design team of like, Hey, everyone now has to orient to e So we essentially had to kind of rebuild and restructure our team overnight to now go, okay, we're a D to C brand. So how yeah. does that operate? Right. How does our supply chain need to change how, when we're placing POs now and selling out a product in a day rather than th- three, four months, like everything had to get revamped and redone. So, because we moved quickly on it, it was a very painful first month. Um, I, the team was exhausted. They were so stressed out. Of course, everybody was still scared of, like, is this going to hold? Are we going to have to let more people go? Like, what is this going to look like? And Sim, then sim, forget about the personal side of just people are isolated at home and scared of this thing yeah. that may or may not kill their family members or other people. Honestly, so yeah. it was it was a really difficult, like I would say, first four to five weeks. Um, but because we moved quickly and made decisions and kind of set a new course that was like, okay, now this is what we're holding to and plan for this, that after that, the team really adjusted pretty quickly. I mean, I think- Nice humans are generally very adaptable beings and I think that as a leader it was my job and my business partner Tim like it was our job as the owners of the business to really kind of set a new course and let that really stabilize and be clear that like we're sticking to this for now
0: yes you mentioned uh that you were like growing slow and steady it's so funny we did I think we did a story about your slow and steady growth but I think that it doesn't
1: (laughs) It doesn't translate
0: to 2020s. Sorry. No, I think that's the best news ever. Um, yeah, you're definitely uh, an exception to the rule, which is awesome. Um, have you found that, have you had to, again, because you've always spoke to spoken to uh, confidence and comfort, have you had to change your marketing messaging like everybody else? We haven't. that's been kind of the
1: luckiest part of what we do is that we didn't have to change anything um, from yeah. a language perspective and how we were talking to our customer. I mean, even our our fall collection, which launches in July, will it, it, the entire concept around it was being at home and loving like <laughs> being the most comfortable at home, which this was launched in November of last year because yeah, we, we had did. to launch it into the wholesale channel and, It's funny when I went back to read through the inspiration, I had like sent our creative director a text message. I'm like, are you psychic? Because this is wild (laughs) to read in context to now what's happening. Um, The one thing that we did do, though, is that we did have to pivot away from the like styling images because the brand is so based in this, you know, obviously the most comfortable items that fit great that you don't, people don't need to know how to wear sweatpants at home. Right. They maybe need some help with how do I take this out of the house and now wear it out and about and maybe put some heels on with it or a blazer. And how do I, you know, convince people I'm wearing real pants and not (laughs) sweatpants. Um, So that photography and those kinds of things, we definitely had to kind of sideline for the time being, because that really didn't make any sense because no one was leaving their homes. But, um, from like an overall brand message
0: and kind of seasonal message, we really didn't have to pivot at all. Got it. Now that you're seeing this like awesome momentum, um, I, and you, like you said, maybe it's not slow and steady, the growth, but I know in the past, you always, maybe you did, uh, customer surveys a lot. And maybe before you launched a product or went all in on a product, you kind of shared with your wholesale partners or kind of gauged the interest. Um, Are you kind of being bolder in terms of just like going there now or um, still kind of getting that feedback and kind of, yeah, seeing what's going to work before you go all in?
1: Um, we certainly are more conservative with so it's it's kind of a two-part answer. So, one, we are definitely pushing the bounds this year with the expansion of the categories that we're in and um the the places that we're gonna play. So before this year, we were very much a basics brand. Like we sold we sold and created the most basic t shirts, sweatshirts, bralettes, like socks. It was very simple. It was not stuff you had to really think about. It wasn't stuff that you necessarily that had to know how to style or were really challenged of how to style this and kind of excited as to how you're incor- going to incorporate this into your wardrobe. That has completely changed for us this year. We have like fitted tanks and fitted tees that are racer back, that, you know, are cuffed sleeves that are super fitted. We've got the crops, we have bodysuits. We're l- launching an entire loungewear category um, for fall. That's a robe coat that can be a robe and also a coat um, yeah. worn outside. We have um, sleep sets. We've got these cozy knit sweaters coming out. So there's a lot of expansion and testing that we're doing this year. So we're being more bold in where we're stepping into, but we're still really conservative how we step into those things. So when we do step into a new category or something that we don't really have data and know for sure that it's going to work for us, we certainly go really, really low with our you know first orders to test it in the market. And see how it performs before we like really go in and start to you know really bulk up those POs and the inventory that we're willing to take on.
0: Yeah, what's your thought? Your current thought on physical retail? Your um, own, um, our own. So we had
1: originally planned to open our first like retail store at the end of the year. That we were just kind of starting in Q1 to look at where that would be and what that would look like. Um, it's scary now, of course, right? Yeah. This. It's certainly not something we're going to step into in the next year and a half. Um, I would say the soonest we may do that is going to be 2022. I think the reality of understanding what we're facing from a pandemic perspective and that this could be a multi-year issue, this could come in waves, we, sh- we can go through more shutdowns. Um, it's certainly not something that we are comfortable stepping into at this point.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Tell me what's selling best right now. Because I um, personally am a fan of your girl underwear that look like boy underwear. <laughs> I love those. I know the femme boxer, I'm actually wearing them right now. Um, they are my favorite as well. The fleece category
1: was just like the, the takeoff item of the season for us. Um, you know, sweats. And we have great sweats. They fit incredibly well. They're super flattering. We have like jersey line pockets that are deep enough that your phone doesn't fall out. Um, You know, there's we like painstakingly design our products so that it fits you perfectly and you love it, but you don't necessarily understand why, which is totally fine with me. I don't need somebody to understand why they love their bralette or their sweats or their t-shirt. They just want to put it on every day. That's all I want. Um, So, you know, to give you an idea, we sold in the three weeks following like the shutdown and everybody being at home, we sold three times as many, sweats in that time than we did all of last year oh my gosh yeah
0: yes future
1: i know that's so so that's been the runaway hit we have a five thousand person wait list currently for that to get restocked which is coming in a few weeks so
0: and you're still doing socks socks are still in the mix
1: we're still doing socks um (laughs) they make
0: up about like eight percent of the business at
1: this point and it's a constant like do we keep doing socks do we not do socks um but for now we're still doing socks
0: i like socks eva this was so fun Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jill. This was awesome. That's all for this episode, which was produced by Pierre Bienname. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Don't forget that we're offering Glossy Podcast listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories. Use the code podcast at checkout. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week.